This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I think we've kind of got an identity after these last three games against some three tough opponents. So I think guys, you know, each line has an identity, you know, three sets of D that are playing consistent. Uh, you know, we got to keep that rolling. If the Flames want any shot at a playoff spot in the Western Conference, as you hear from Mackenzie Weger, they have to keep it rolling into a game day against the LA Kings Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Welcome into another edition of Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We are live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, it's a game day for the Calgary Flames. They kick off a three-game homestand at the Scotiabank Saddledome Tuesday night as they welcome in their Pacific Division rivals, the LA Kings. Flames on the verge of winning four in a row. Trying to keep pace in the Western Conference wildcard race. A race that right now is led by the LA Kings, who have 68 points and are seven clear of the Calgary Flames. We'll get you set with everything you need to know on a game day. Lineup notes, starting goaltender, and hear from a number of players and head coach Ryan Huska on a game day as we bring you the latest from the Flames locker room every day here on Sportsnet today. More from Mackenzie Wieger, Connor Zary, Dryden Hunt coming up. We'll also take a look at the opposition, the LA Kings. In a playoff spot, remember not too long ago, firing their head coach. How have things gone in LA since Todd McClellan was replaced? One of the best dressed men in hockey, Daryl Evans going to join us. Color voice of the LA Kings, former NHLer, all around good guy. He's going to join us for a look at the opposition this afternoon. We'll take you for a spin around the NHL as the countdown to the NHL's trade deadline on, February, on March 8th gets closer and closer every single day. So we got a busy program for you. Also, give you an update on a rough start for Alec Manoa. That's spring training for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, not a good one. If you were hoping for a bounce back season, still lots of time, but not the results on day one. Blue Jays fans were hoping for out of the former stud pitcher. We'll get to that a little bit later on. They were in spring training action a little earlier on this Tuesday. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Logan Gordon alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Shan. Quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you at 960-960. We'd love to hear from you on this Tuesday game day. It's the Flames and the LA Kings. 6 o'clock, Pat Steinberg has your Flames warm-up. 7 o'clock, puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. The Flames, despite all the outside noise, will tell you inside that locker room, their one focus, a playoff spot. And to do so, they'll need to turn one of these winning streaks into an extended winning streak instead of the win four, lose four, win three, lose three, 
mentality that sort of existed since January. This team is looking to take this three-game winning streak in particular and turn it into the one that finally puts them in a playoff spot. It's going to be tough. The LA Kings are in town. They sit atop the Western Conference wildcard standings right now with 68 points, two back of the Edmonton Oilers who picked up a victory against LA Monday night in Edmonton. So they're still fighting for a spot in the Pacific Division playoff race for the Calgary Flames. Just trying to chase down one of those spots in the wild card as we speak on this Tuesday, heading into action. They are five back of the Nashville Predators with one game in hand on Nashville, but Minnesota and St. Louis both with more points than Calgary. And thanks to a win on Monday night, the Seattle Kraken are tied with the Calgary Flames at 61 points. So it's a crowded Western Conference playoff race. And we know, of course, the oncoming news of trades for Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, what sort of impact that will have on the group is still to be seen. But for now, they're part of the group. They'll be part of the team that takes to the ice on Tuesday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. This is per our pal Pat Steinberg, the host of Flames Hockey and Flames Talk here on Sportsnet 960. The fan here are your projected lines and D pairings for tonight's matchup against the LA Kings. Zeri with Kadri and Pospisil, Manjapani with Backlund and Coleman, Huberto, Sharon Govich and Hunt, Pelche with Rooney and Dewar, Hannafin is with Tanev, Weger with Anderson, Shillington with Pahal, and Jacob Markstrom scheduled to make the start for the Calgary Flames after backing up Dan Vladar Saturday in Edmonton. Of course, that lineup you will note does not have Andre Kuzmenko on it. Uh, he was skating late with the other healthy scratches. And per head coach Ryan Huska, who we'll hear from in just a moment, still feeling under the weather, but the team hoping to have him back Saturday when the team next takes to the ice for Mika Kippersoff's jersey retirement game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So no Andre Kuzmenko. Dryden Hunt remains in that spot with Hubert Owen, Sharon Govich. He picked up his first goal of the season. First as a member of the Flames, by the way, uh, Saturday in that win against Edmonton. And Pelche, his second game back, returning from injury, remaining on the fourth line with Kevin Rooney and Walker Dewar. Let's check in with the head coach on a game day. We bring you the latest from the Flames locker room every single day here on Sportsnet Today. And we're kicking it off with the head coach. His thoughts as his team goes for four straight wins Tuesday against the LA Kings. What's been the biggest difference in Noah from last season to this season? Um, not a lot. I, I think Noah, every year that I've been around him, he's continued to get um, a little bit better, a little bit better. And we often talk about defensemen take a little bit longer to mature in their game, where I think Noah's kindly at, kind of at that point now where um, his game is where it should be. And I think he's happy with how he's come along. Um, the difference this year is he's shooting it a little bit more. And I think he's um, we're starting to see him with, the offensive confidence everybody thought he would have as a younger player. So I think he's just coming into his own and um, probably to be expected with the timeline for defensemen. Do we underrate his defensive play? We see the points, but do we do we overlook how good he has been in his own zone? Um, and that's part of the game that he's worked on. You know, that was maybe the knock earlier on on him, and, and he's put a lot of time and effort into becoming a better defender. So um, he, he's done a really good job there. Ryan, are you happy with how Oliver's game is ramping up? Yeah, every every night he's getting more and more minutes. He's putting in being put in different situations, um, and I think he's feeling a lot more comfortable with where he's at right now as well. Is Kuzmenko still under the weather? He is getting better. He's not quite there yet. 
yeah, we'll expect him back on on Saturday. Andrew Mangiapane's 399 career games under his belt. Uh, what do you think's made him an effective NHLer over the course of his career? Um, initially, there was a chip on the shoulder. Um, where he, he knew that if he wanted to play in the NHL, he had to find um, a way in. Um, and for him, it was a little bit of that dog on the bone, I'll do whatever I have to do. Um, and then he kind of proved himself in a lot of different ways. I mean, he can put up points for us. He can score goals. He's used on our checking line now. He kills penalties. He gets power play time. So he went from having to prove himself to everybody to being a guy that we rely on really heavily. You found, you know, you mentioned Oliver, and, and you look at the pairings. You've had, uh, you know, everybody kind of together here for the better part of a couple of weeks. What's the stability been like on that back end, and what have you seen since they've all been together? Yeah, I, I like the way they look right now. It's hard for Ozzy and, and Gibby because they the lineup hasn't changed on the back end. Um, but the six of them, I feel there is some chemistry there now, and, and the way that Oliver and, and Patch have played, uh, they've taken some of the time away from the other guys and they're playing um, good minutes now. Uh, and Oliver skates with pace. Patch is more of a physical player where he tries to hit to hurt, which is something that um, I, I think our team needs at times. Um, so the six of them I feel like is the best we've had all year. In terms of skating ability on this team, where does Oliver rank in your eyes? He's probably near the top if he's not at the top. What challenges do the Kings present tonight? Um, well, they're a really good team. They they really are, and they're playing well right now. I think they're five and two or whatever they are in their last seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they're a challenging team to play because of the style, for one. Um, and if you are not careful with the pucks, they've got a lot of skill up front and a lot of speed where they can make you pay off the rush. So they don't give you much at all. Um, and if you don't play the right way against them and you give them opportunities, they make teams pay. So uh, we need to make sure we're playing a fast game tonight. There you go. That's head coach Ryan Huska checking in on a game day. His team getting set to take on the LA Kings Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. First of three at home that include matchups against the Kings, Penguins, and the Seattle crack. And you heard uh, lots of talk with the head coach there about the 6D that we've seen pretty consistently since the all-star break. That's, of course, Hannafin, Tanev, Weger, Anderson, Shillington, and Pahal. He called it probably the best six they've had all year. They've been sort of looking for an answer to that third D pairing, that seventh or sixth defenseman has been a question all year long. It's been solidified by Braden Pahal, no doubt, coming in off that waiver claim from Vegas. Oliver Shillington, as you heard from the head coach, continues to ramp up, continues to impress. And uh, look, we, we all know that the impending trade deadline likely means one of those pairings is going to be completely gone when we talk in just over two weeks' time. One of the guys that will have to step up and has stepped up in a big way this year has been Mackenzie Wieger. He, uh, one of the other players that checked in with the Flames media following morning skate at the Scotiabank Soundome on Tuesday. Mac, what do you notice about the Kings in that uh, you know, there's been some significant turnaround for them? What have you noticed about the biggest difference? Why that might be? Uh, I, uh, I mean, a new coach, you know, you, you start to play hard for a new coach, but I, I think they got a great leadership leadership group over there, obviously. Um, you know, I'm sure they're sending the right messages in that in that room, but, you know, they're, they're, they play tight, you know, they don't give up too much. Um, you know, they're a structured team. 
Um, but I, I think a big part of that is that their leadership group uh, is pretty good over there. When we talk about the identity of this team, you guys often talk about you know, being tight defensively, being hard to play against. Mm-hmm. Going back to sort of the, the beginning of the year, though, there have been a lot of games where you guys have scored five, six goals. Yeah. Does that become part of the identity of this team? That you, guys are, you guys can score and do a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's still a lot of offensive-minded guys in this room. Um, but I think, obviously, the key with Husk is having a structured D. Uh, you know, we're, we're killing plays quick. But then, obviously, he's been, you know, he's given the green light to a lot of guys to make plays, um, you know, not to be afraid, you know, to make plays out there. And I think the guys are making plays at the right time. Um, you know, you know, they're not, you know, I, I find that when we get in trouble, we start to misplay with the puck a little bit. We're not making the right decisions at the blue lines. But, um, you know, this year I feel like, you know, Husk has given a lot of guys more confidence to make a lot of plays. And, um, you know, we don't mind putting up a lot of goals. We don't want it to get into a run and gun game, obviously. But, um, you know, we got we got a lot of offensive-minded guys in this room. How have you kind of addressed the, Earlier we were talking to you and your teammates about just the ends and close of the season. You can win a bunch, you can lose a bunch. Now you yeah. on the right side of it again. How do you kind of make sure or how it's addressed in this room about keeping the consistency? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously I, I've seen kind of those stats and, you know, the roller coaster of the wins and the losses and, and that's all you know preparation and focus and uh, you know you know you not over complicating things uh, you know playing hard I think we've kind of got an identity after these last three games against some th- three tough opponents so I think guys you know each line has an identity you know three sets of D that are playing consistent uh, you know we got to keep that rolling but we, we can't overthink things you know we can't you know start forcing plays you know take what's given um, you know, obviously this team doesn't give up much, so you, you got to be patient out there. But um, you know, check hard defensively and, and, and you know, capitalize on our chances. With all that in mind, what is the pulse inside this room right now? Because I would imagine emotionally or even just mm-hmm. enjoying the ride, you don't want to be too high and too yeah. low either. So, what is the pulse inside this room? Uh, pulse is great. You know, it's uh, it's minus thirty out there. It's uh, nice and snowy. It's a great day to play a big rivalry. Um, you know, a divisional opponent. So the the pulse is great here. We're excited for the matchup. Work divisional games just feel that much better. Yeah, especially this time of year, uh, you're starting to get that playoff type hockey. Uh, five on five stuff. Special teams coming to play, but um, you know, always playing a divisional opponent. Uh, you know, you got to get excited for it. What's the, what can you say about Noah Hav and his impressive season? Yeah, he's he's great. He's a great player. He sees the game great. Um, never gets tired out there. Um, you know, takes care of his body. He's, you know, skates well. Jumps up in the play. Wants to make an impact on the game. Um, plays well defensively. Him and Tanny have been so solid and consistent for us this year. Um, you know, he's having a big year, and, um, you know, he deserves it. He's, you know, he's working hard uh, on and off the ice. Mackenzie Weger checking in with the media. Full in practice at the Scotiabank Saddle. Flames in Kings Tuesday night at the Dome with a 7.05 puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on your home of Flames Hockey, Sportsnet 960. The fan. A couple texts at 960-960 to get to. Uh, of course, the fan feedback line is always open to you on the program. We'd love to hear from you on this Tuesday. Uh, this text comes in and says, Hot take, Hannafin should do his teammates a solid and sign a one-year extension. Better being a hyena, hey? Um, I think Noah Hannafin's agent would probably advise against doing anything like that. Um, it takes one bad year or one bad injury to sink your value as a UFA and... Uh, I don't know that Noah Hannafin is willing to take that. I mean, he's going to get paid on this contract extension. He's going to get term. He's going to get pretty big dollar. And 
maybe he does like it in Calgary, but I, I feel like it'd be a, a pretty big risk on his part to to take it for one year. And who knows what the Flames are going to be next year, even. You know, it's it's kind of hard to predict that. So I have a feeling, well, it's nice right now. And it's been great. No, Anderson had a fantastic game on Saturday for this Flames team. Those, those one-year contracts when you're about to get paid big time, seven, eight-year deal, kind of hard to say no to. Uh, this text comes in and says, there's a rumor, a rumor logo that Armstrong has been shopping Jordan Cairo and his eight-and-a-quarter-million-dollar contract before his no-trade kicks in this summer. Just the young talent the Flames are looking for. No, Jordan Cairo for Manjapani+. Plus. Fresh start for both players. Manj would fit into the St. Louis mold. Um, I have not heard that one myself. Uh, St. Louis right now, four points back of Nashville with two games in hand for a playoff spot, five and five in their last 10. I mean, again, I don't profess to be any sort of insider on this show. Um, I would imagine if a guy like Jordan Cairo was available that, uh, yeah, that would probably fit Craig Conroy's interest level as a 25-year-old right winger uh, from Toronto. Yeah, I, I can imagine that'd be a pretty popular commodity, but I imagine the Flames wouldn't be the only one. And um, if I'm being honest with you, 75 points two years ago, 73 the year before. He's got 45 points in 57 games this season for St. Louis. Um, the plus beside Andrew Mangiapane, uh that you mentioned in that text there, uh, it'd be a big one. That's a monster asset for any team. I, I, and again, I haven't heard anything about them moving a guy like Jordan Kyrie or thinking about it. But based on what we've heard from Craig Conroy and the kind of players that they covet, yeah, sure, Jordan Kyrie probably fits in that mold. Do I think that that's realistic or that the Flames would have the plus to make that happen? I I don't know. I don't know, but it would certainly be uh, something to look at if you uh, if that were true. I want to take you back in the locker room uh, a couple more times here. It's been a busy day at the Dome. Heard from lots of different people. Dryden Hunt's been a great story coming in uh, the last couple of games for the Calgary Flames. Up and down guy in your lineup. And you know what? Getting an opportunity with this Andre Kuzmenko illness to go higher up in the lineup. A spot that he usually plays more of when he's with the Wranglers. He's, at least this season, been mostly a top six forward glued to whatever line Matt Coronado's been on. So he's got some of that high-end skill but mostly been a fourth liner when he's been called up with Calgary, but now getting an opportunity. A couple more skilled players in Yegor Sharangovich and Jonathan Huberto paid dividends for the Flames against Edmonton. He's looking to continue that into Tuesday's game against the LA Kings. Let's check in with Dryden Hunt on a game day. You uh, walk us through that goal on, uh, on Saturday. How it all developed for you? Yeah, it was just, uh, we had some zone time there and uh, Shirley made a great play to go behind the net to Hubie and uh, everybody knows Hubie has a ton of patience, so uh, I kind of got lost up high, and uh, he made a great play, and I had a bit more time than, than I had thought, and kind of picked my corner. So, uh, great play by a couple guys. How have you felt you've adapted your game since that last call up, and you're, you're playing with a couple of pretty skilled guys right now, Jonathan? Yeah, every time you come up, you you want to build off your last stint. Obviously, <laughs> uh, you never want to go down, but um, you take the feedback and try and work on things so uh, you just feel more more comfortable I think confidence is there 
uh, the familiarity with the guys. I think when you're when you're close and the, you're tight with guys off the ice, I think it kind of translates on the ice, for me at least. So um, that's that's kind of been it. If you're a, you've been an offensive guy at, at every level. Is that something that you still want to prove, and, and something that that you think you still have in you at the at the NHL level? Yeah, you like to think you never lose it, but um, you just try to adapt and. Um, obviously it's been a lot of up and down for me so every time you go down you need to kind of reflect and um, look at what you can do better and what you can do to kind of stay up here and uh, obviously going down kind of gives you that confidence to play that offensive role so I think every time I go down I never try and lose that um, or the way I play I guess I try to go down there and contribute offensively and um, obviously I think the next step is just to kind of contribute up here and uh, like I said it's, it's only one goal but hopefully we can kind of build off that I guess the key to being effective in a different role at the NHL compared to in the American League? Uh, it's just time and space. Um, you know, it's obviously a different level. So you go down there, you have the puck more, uh, more touches, more opportunities to, to shoot. You're playing on the power play. Um, so you kind of build that confidence throughout the game. And um, you know you're going to your chances up here. You probably only get, you know, one a game if you're lucky. And then you play up, up the lineup, you get a few more. So, um Definitely something I'm trying to work on is you get that one chance a game, you gotta make the most of it. But like I said, it was it's only one one goal, so um, just try and build off that game, I guess. Not to go back to that goal you scored, but I'm a little bit more intrigued about the pass that Huberto gave to you. What, can you kind of tell us what you're seeing as that play develops when Huberto is behind the net and he's looking for you? Yeah, well, that's that's what makes you be so good, obviously. Um, you know he's he's had a season where he got 100 points in this league, so he he can make plays like that, and um, it's fun to see him making plays like that again. So, um, you know, a lot of guys get the puck behind the net and they're trying to rush plays and maybe jam pucks. And uh, a guy like Huey has a little bit more patience than other guys, and um, he saw he had patches coming down the right side, and he kind of didn't love that play, and then looked to the middle and, and made it, made a great saucer pass over a couple guys. So. Um, he he can make those plays, and it's fun to see him, you know, with the puck and making plays like that. Being around him, what's his confidence been like? Oh, he's the best. You know, like um, I knew him a little bit in Florida. Um, Weeks was close with him, so we hung out a little bit, and um, he's just—he's the same guy. Obviously, things haven't quite gone as he'd liked, uh, maybe the first year and a half here, but uh, he hasn't changed at all. He's still an unbelievable guy. Comes to the rink with a smile on his face, and. Um, you know, sometimes when you're in a rut like that, it's it's tough to you know, well, be welcoming and be nice to other guys that are in and out. And he does a great job of you know making sure that everybody feels welcome. You know, he's had me over for dinner at his house, and um, so he, he's a great guy, and we're lucky to have him. We know he's making plays now, but what do you think has been the biggest reason why he's been able to see that success? Um, I don't. I you have to ask him, but I think. Um, Maybe it's, it's it's almost been a year and a half, almost two years now, and um, he's more comfortable. And um, yeah, you'd have to ask him, but he kind of looks like the old Hubie a little bit now. It's, it's fun to watch. Dryden Hunt checking in from the Flames locker room on a game day. He'll be on that line with Jonathan Huberto and Yegor Sharon Govich once again. It resulted in a nice play and a goal Saturday up the road in Edmonton. Flames and Kings Tuesday night at the Dome. Third straight opponent for the Flames coming in uh, on a back-to-back. Kings were in Edmonton Monday night, fell 4-2 to the Edmonton Oilers, three straight Oilers goals, uh, Dreisaitl, Bouchard, and Nugent Hopkins uh, taking it from a 2-1 LA lead to a 4-2 uh, Edmonton victory. Despite being outshot 40-31, to Edmonton picks up a big win, 
And uh, the Kings now miss a chance to tie Edmonton in points and jump up uh, into the Pacific Division playoff spot. But maybe more concerning, Adrian Kempe left the game for L.A. with an injury, did not return, and uh, according to a couple of uh, L.A. Kings reporters, might be on his way back to L.A., so we're not expecting to see Adrian Kempe tonight for the L.A. Kings. He's one of their most productive offensive forces. Uh, it was former Flame David Riddick, who got to start last night in Edmonton, uh, and uh, means another former Flame likely to get the start tonight. It'll be Cam Talbot. Uh, no morning skate, of course, for L.A. coming off of uh, a game last night, but uh, safe to assume that Cam Talbot, the former Flame starting goaltender, uh, will get the start, but we'll get confirmation of that during Flames warm-up a little bit later on tonight. We'll take a deeper look at the opposition next. Daryl Evans, the radio color voice of the L.A. Kings, former NHLer, joins us next to take an in-depth look at the L.A. Kings. They're the opponent for the Calgary Flames. It's a game day here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Calgary Flames game day here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, The Flames, and the L.A. Kings. Pacific Division showdown at the Dome. As we enter action on this Tuesday, the L.A. Kings hold the top wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Flames trying to chase down the Nashville Predators for one of those playoff spots. And all the trade deadline just continues to loom under two weeks to go before the March 8th trade deadline. Our focus, obviously, on tonight's game, the Flames and the L.A. Kings. You might remember the Kings changing coaches recently. Todd McClellan out in L.A. Has it had the desired effect? They're back on the right track in L.A. We'll take a look at the opposition right now, going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, welcoming in friend of the program, Daryl Evans. He's the L.A. Kings radio color voice, former NHLer, joining us this afternoon. Daryl, thanks as always for the time, sir. How you doing? Ah, always a pleasure, guys. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. Uh, I know you're a runner. I know you like to get out there. Was it a little too brisk for you this morning in Calgary, or how'd you handle the cold, sir? No, I put my shorts on, and I went for a nice run along the Bow River. Beautiful out there. It was no wind, and uh, uh, I always uh, I always enjoy getting that run in, and uh, I'm grateful that it wasn't windy today. So, beautiful <laughs> run, a great way to start the day. Great to hear. Perfect way to get set for a game day. Got the Flames and the Kings. Uh, Kings busy up the road last night in Edmonton, Daryl. Oilers score uh, three straight. Before we kind of get into some topics on the Kings, uh, what did you see last night from this group? Well, you know, I think they had an opportunity when it was 2-1 on the second period when they got the five-on-three advantage that they really could have created some separation. They weren't able to do so. Uh, it was only for a short period of time, but they did have one or two really good chances on it. Uh, Skinner came up with a couple of big saves, and uh, I thought that gave the Oilers a lot of momentum. They went on to score a power play goal shortly after that, but uh, I think that was a difference in the hockey game. I know it ends up 4-2, but I think when you look at that two or three minutes in the second period, that kind of pushed it in the Oilers' favor a little bit. I thought to that point, through 40 minutes, basically, it was an even hockey game, and that's what the score reflected. It was 2-2 after 2. Uh, for us here in Calgary, a chance to see this L.A. Kings team under new head coach Jim Hiller, obviously a tough decision for Ron Blake to make during the season to move on from a veteran coach, Daryl. But what have you seen the group respond to uh, to Jim and what he's trying to implement? Yeah, I think when you know when whenever, whenever there's a coaching change made, uh, you know during the year, and especially for a guy that's been around, you know Todd's been here for the last handful of years, so it, it was tough to see him go. But uh, you know the as a general manager ownership. 
you know, you, you've got to do something, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a, a lot easier to make that one move than, you know, to try to shuffle a deck and, you know, change your personnel. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, t- you know, Todd paid the price, but uh, I think what it did was it got everybody's attention, the players, you know, they feel responsible for a good coach and a good guy losing his job. So I think, uh, you know, Jim Hiller is a recipient of that. Uh, he already had good relationships with the team, being all, you know, associate coach. So his relationships were really good. And I think he's tried to carry that on in his, in his tenure here so far. And it seems to be working pretty good. Uh, he's very supportive of a lot of things that they want to do. He seems to have found a way to get uh, a little bit more out of Dubois, which uh, has been a noticeable difference, uh, you know, since the team went into the break. He's come out, he's had three goals and three assists, but more importantly, more engaged in the game. So, um, you know, I think the team has responded well for him. I mean, there's a long way to go. It's a, you know, an uphill climb for everybody. We know how critical the games are going down the stretch and, uh, you know, none bigger than the one tonight against the Flames here in Calgary. Uh, let's talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois, Daryl, because uh, there was a lot made of that trade going back in the summertime with Winnipeg and some pretty high expectations for Pierre-Luc Dubois on this Kings team. And you see 26 points in 57 games. It's probably short of expectations, but as you mentioned, things may be turning around with the head coaching change. How would you sort of describe year one in L.A. so far for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Yeah, no doubt, you know, a slow start for Dubois. You know, from his standpoint, I think he'd like to be contributing a lot more. And, you know, from the team's standpoint, you know, they expect, you know, they expect a lot more. They gave up a lot in order to, you know, to acquire him. I still think, you know, he's still finding his way here in this team. You know, he played in a different role when he's with the Jets and when he's with the Blue Jackets. You know, he comes here and, you know, you look up the middle of the ice, the Kings had, you know, Kopitar, they've got Deneau. Uh, Quentin Byfield, the centerman, you know, so they're deep up the middle of the ice and, you know, his minutes are down from, from where they were, you know, having a more prominent role in the other organizations that he played with. So I think that's personnel, uh, new language, you know, coming from the coaches, even though a lot of the systems are very similar, it's just, uh, you know, different words are being used uh, and, uh, you know, different buzzwords and things like that and getting used to new teammates. I think he is settling in. Uh, I think during the during the break, he had a chance to kind of reflect upon his own personal season, where he's at, uh, you know, what he's accomplished, and you know w- what he hasn't done. And uh, he seems to be responded uh, in, in a good way. Uh, I know that the coaching staff in place right now with Jim Hiller, they've done a good job at putting a kind of a point system together for him to challenge him on a game-to-game basis. And it's not on goals and assists. You know, they haven't given us a breakdown of exactly what it is, but you're probably looking at, you know, hits, ticks, you know, touches on pucks, you know, four checks, stopping four checks, you know, face-offs and all the all the critical little things. And because his attention to detail has been that much greater over the last, you know, eight games, uh, his statistics are going up as well. He's been rewarded. He's got a few goals, you know, and a few assists in, in that regard as well. But it's more importantly the way he's pushing the game. Uh, he's, he's a lot more involved. And he seems to be having fun. So hopefully the player that he has become in the last couple of weeks will continue to keep pushing him in that direction because the Kings are looking for that depth, uh, you know, that they that they made the deal for. And uh, this is the player that they're looking for as they move forward. Uh, another guy that stepped up big time this season, you mentioned him there in your answer, Quinton Byfield. He made the highlight reels a couple of days ago with an unbelievable goal uh, falling through in front of the net and finding a, a loose puck to put it home. He's up to 43 points in 55 games this year. He was the second overall pick back in 2020, Daryl. And I think the LA Kings knew they were picking up a, a raw project at the time 
are we starting to finally see the the rewards for waiting on a guy like Quinton Byfield and starting to see what he's really going to become at the NHL level now? Yeah, I really give the Kings their marks, uh, you know, and with regards to their patience with young players, you know, and I'm just going to compare them a little bit to Adrian Kempe. And you look how mm-hmm. long it took Kempe to find that, you know, that, you know, that, that top line, you know, uh, uh, performance. Uh, and now when you look at the last couple of years, you know, 41 goals, 35 goals over the last couple of years and 19 on this season. But, you know, you have to be patient with young players. Byfield's still 21, and, you know, he's going to be 21 through the rest of the season. He'll go into the summer, and he'll just turn 22 as he comes to camp next year. But last year, his game took big strides. Uh, you know, they put him on the wing with Kopitar and Kempe. So he got two great, you know, two teachers basically to play with. And, you know, he's got great skill set. He's got great hands, great vision. He's big. He's strong. He's only going to get bigger and stronger. They'll put a little bit more weight on but the big difference between last year and this year is just the growth in his confidence. Uh, you know, he's taken a lot upon his shoulders. Now he, he's kind of like an L, he plays an alpha role in the line that he's on, regardless of who he's out there in the ice with. He doesn't defer to anybody. He takes on that leadership. He gets in on the four check. He's got great stick. And, you know, as you saw that goal that he scored, uh, you know, that, there's a lot of skill involved there to be able to do that mm-hmm. at his size is pretty special. So uh, I think the Kings are just starting to see the tip of the iceberg as to, you know, what they can expect for Quentin Byfield for a long time. Uh, when they did acquire him, you know, they were looking for a franchise player. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, from what we've seen here in the first couple of years of his of his career, that he's going to continue to keep developing into a great one. And he, you know, he follows in the, uh, in the steps of a guy like Ajay Kopitar, who's been here, you know, for his entire career and the numbers that he's put up. So uh, he's learning to play the game the right way and understands how important each and every day is. And uh, he looks to improve each day. So uh, the Kings are very, very, very fortunate to have a player like him and hopefully for a long time. Uh, we mentioned a couple of guys up front, but this Kings team dealing with some injuries and some including last night, uh, Adrian Kempe went down. Sounds like he's on his way back to L.A., for further evaluation, that puts him on the same list as Victor Arvidsson and Carl Grundstrom. What are the Kings missing when you talk about guys like Arvidsson and potentially Kempe not being in the lineup, Daryl? Well, those players, you know, you can never replace those players. Uh, you know, the elements that they bring, uh, starting with Kempe, his speed, he plays in every situation, power play, penalty kill, you're up a goal, you're down a goal, uh, face-offs, he can play either side up front. They've even used him back on defense this year. So, uh, his value is is incredible. Victor Arvidsson, uh, you know, a lot of the same type of things, uh, you know, maybe not as uh, the same type of skater, but the tenacity, uh, he pulls guys into a game. Uh, you know, he compliments the guys that he's on the ice with, you know, below the hash marks. You know, he's just, he, he's a pain to play against. Uh, Daryl Evans is along with us. He's the best out of, uh, you know, the players that he's on the ice with. So you miss those guys, Carl Grundstrom, the physicality. But what the, you know, what this does is it creates an opportunity for other guys that, you know, feel that they're, you know, they're good enough to play in the NHL. They're going to get a more prominent role and that'll start tonight in Calgary. So we'll see how they respond. Guys are going to get on the special teams and an opportunity to, uh, you know, to make some noise and take advantage of it. Daryl Evans, along with us, the radio color commentator for the LA Kings, former NHLer. Uh, taking a look at the opposition tonight for the Flames. It's the L.A. Kings coming into town following a loss to the Oilers on Monday night. Uh, Daryl, it's very rarely a quiet night for Drew Dowdy when he comes to Calgary. Now, that changes a bit without Matthew Kachuk here in town, but uh, <laughs> Drew Dowdy is still a very prominent member of this L.A. Kings blue line, looking to, you know, uh, getting ahead for the tonight's game, still right around 25 
26 minutes a night for Drew Doughty. He is a workhorse for the Kings. Yeah, he really is, you know, and he manages his minutes so well. Uh, there's been no fall off in his game whatsoever. He's got 13 goals in the season, six power play goals, uh, which going into last night was tied for the most amongst defensemen in the NHL. So uh, he, he really loves going into games and playing against the game's best players. Uh, you know, the guys like Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl last night, and, you know, you come into tonight's game, like guy got Kadri, you know, those guys have gone at it for a number of years. And, you know, the McKinnons in Colorado, the Ovechkins, he loves defending against those guys. Uh, his offensive numbers are up. He, uh, it's a credit to the work that he put in in the offseason, playing with the young players like college kids and things like that. The, the game's a little bit of a different style than you know than when he first broke in, and uh, he's made you be able to do that. But uh, what, what I find fascinating is just the pride that he takes in his defensive game. You know, a lot of guys, you know, at certain stages of their career, they want to put up numbers, but uh, Drew has just got so much pride in the defensive part of his game, shutting down you know the opposition's best player. So uh, he'll he'll look to bring the best out of his night. Uh, you know his his partner for the last couple of years, Mikey Anderson, he's on the shelf right now as well. So, you know, he's been on the ice with different guys. And, uh, you know, he continues to be uh, do a good job at tutoring young players. And there's got a couple of guys that are in the lineup, actually three tonight. You look at guys like Clark, Spence, and Mo Verara, you know, not a lot of experience in the three of those guys. And they watch a guy like, you know, sees the game and uh, communicates the game. Uh, they're very fortunate to have him on the ice with them. But uh, Drew's done a great job and provides great leadership for the guys back in the blue line. Uh, and quite the Calgary flavor in net. Uh, David Riddick got the start last night in Edmonton, and we know Cam Talbot uh, very well as well here in Calgary from his time as a flame. Uh, what's the, the story been about goaltending for this group, Daryl? As I know, uh, it doesn't really feel like there's a long-term option, but the Kings getting by with these two guys in goal. Yeah, I think, you know, when they acquired both guys, you know, they uh, brought two guys in who are very hungry uh, that, you know, want to push for a number one position. So I think they're getting the best out of both guys. The Kings, you know, for the last 10, 12 years, they've been a very good team structure-wise. And I think that was probably intriguing to the guys when, you know, when they came to the Kings that, you know, knowing this is a team that you know, is not going to hang their goaltenders out to dry. They're going to help them out as much as they can. And, and they've done that. And I think both goaltenders uh, through different spurts of the season have thrived because of the play of the players in front of them. You know, they love to block shots, uh, you know, and they, they play, uh, they play with responsibility. They manage the puck. Well, they take away, you know, the high, high scoring, uh, high percentage scoring chances in the slot area. And, uh, you know, they clean up their own end pretty good. And they've got a lot of forwards that are committed as well. You look at guys like again, Kopitar, you know, one of the best two way, uh, centerman in the game, you know, since his time in the game, uh, Trevor Lewis coming back, who was also a member of the Flames, you know, he he was a member of the Stanley Cup team. So, uh, you know, this is a team that prides himself uh, on defense. So uh, their goaltenders have done a really good job. Again, uh, they've each had uh, different runs through the course of the year. And right now, the way it looks like, uh, you know, it's probably going to be something where both of them are going to see a lot of ice time, especially with uh, the schedule, the way it is very demanding. There's some back-to-backs coming up and, you know, uh, both goaltenders will have a chance to, uh, you know, to, to take the take the uh, show and, uh, and run with it for a bit. Uh, before I let you go, Gerald, of course, it's always a question at this time of the year. Where do you think Rob Blake's looking to try to improve his team as the trade deadline uh, approaches with less than two weeks to go? Well, you know, I think when you look at the team, I think they're pretty pleased with what they have up front. Uh, there's a lot of depth, a lot of young guys, Laferriere's, you know, emerged this year. 
Uh, we're starting to see Turcotte, you know, kind of, you know, get some games under his belt. Anderson Dolan continues to play real steady, uh, you know, kind of like a Swiss Army knife fits in in different positions. So I think up front, uh, you know, they're in a pretty good spot there. Uh, I know going back to the, you know, the cup days, uh, you know, I always heard, you know, back with Dean Lombardi. And I think the same is with, you know, with Rob Lake. And you talk about you can never have enough depth on defense, uh, you know, experience. So if they could add a, you know, a veteran defense, uh, a defenseman, I think that would be something they would entertain, uh, preferably probably a left-handed shot. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, goaltending, uh, you know, again, you, you know, we've talked about the goaltending that they have in place. I think the guys have done a great job, but if, uh, you know, if you could add some depth in that regard, uh, you know, especially with the injury to Copley that uh, he's out for the rest of the year, that would be something they look at too, but not a lot of room uh, with regards to the cap and uh, we'll see how it plays out, but it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, week here till the, till the deadline. I think, uh, you know, a lot of teams wait to see kind of, where the market is as to, you know, where, where values are at. And I think once we see a deal or two made, it's going to be a domino effect and uh, it'll just be, uh, you know, the, the doors will open from there for the next week. Uh, Daryl Evans, the best dressed man in hockey. Uh, great stuff as always. Thank you for giving us some time here in Calgary, sir. We'll see you at the Saddle Dome a little later tonight. Look forward to it, guys. Have a great day and keep up the great work. Thanks very much, sir. Daryl Evans joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, the radio color voice of the L.A. Kings, former NHLer, and uh, if you've ever met the man in person, first of all, he's a great guy. The suit game is is unbelievable with Daryl Evans. Unbelievable. Great guy. Best dressed. Makes Shan look like a, a cheap knockoff. What? Suit wearer. You don't think I'm well-dressed? Not compared to Daryl Evans. Ah, oh, okay. I'll get. Yeah, I, I will say Daryl Evans. I've seen. I because you mentioned it to me earlier. Yeah. That the suit game is is legit. So it's, I checked it out. It's, it's it's legit. It is something else. It is legit for a guy that travels and goes around the world, or I guess North America. I'm sure he goes around the world too. But to bring that kind of style game with you on the road, props to Daryl Evans with, with the mustache. We have oh to yeah have. yeah. Cold weather. This guy that lives in California. You think he was deterred by the Calgary weather? Nope. Brisk run this morning out along the Bow River. <laughs> In the shorts. In the shorts. <laughs> yeah. The guy's a beauty. Uh, always joins us when we're taking a look at the Kings. Really appreciate Daryl Evans joining us uh, once again down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. This Kings team turning a bit of a corner. They've got that new coach bump trying to make some waves in the Pacific Division standings. That one, a gut punch for them Monday night against the Edmonton Oilers, a chance to tie Edmonton in points in the Pacific Division, uh, but falling short. David Riddick, the former Flame, got the starting goal. So we're expecting to see Cam Talbot. Of course, no morning skate for the Kings coming off of a back-to-back Tuesday at the Dome, so we won't get final uh, roster updates for L.A. until closer to Flames' uh, warm-up this evening. Uh, Also expecting Adrian Kempe, According to a couple of Kings insiders, has reportedly gone back to L.A. for further evaluation for an upper body injury that he suffered. That's a tough blow. He's always a, a tremendous player. He's their leading scorer this season as well with 51 points in 57 games. And I mentioned with Daryl, Kempe's out, uh, Arvidsson's out, Grundstrom's out, Clark, uh, Mikey Anderson have been dealing with some stuff. Phoenix Copley's hurt on the back end. And they still, because they've drafted so well the last couple of years, still have a ridiculous amount of depth 
Quentin Byfield coming in. He's got 43 points in 55 games. If you missed that highlight reel goal I was talking to Daryl about, go back and watch it because it's absolutely silly for a 21-year-old who's six foot four uh, to do what Quentin Byfield did the other day. By the way, Anze Kopitar, probably not getting enough credit for you know being Patrice Bergeron light at 36 years old. He's got 47 points in 57 games. Trevor Moore's been great for them. Uh, Kevin Fiala's got 47 points. So really interesting group. And then there's, there's Pierre-Luc Dubois at 26 Woof. points. He gave away a lot to get that guy. And like you said, you heard Daryl say he's been better under the new coach, but eight and a half million for 26 points. This is supposed to be the guy that forms the next one-two punch in L.A. down the middle. They're going to transition away from Kopitar and Deneau the next couple years into Byfield and Dubois. You're going to need more from Dubois than 26 points in... 50-plus games. That's not a good move right now for L.A. It's a it's a very weird spot for Dubois because, you know, he's playing that third-line role, which he hasn't before, but at the same time, like, and, and you can hide his poor performance because of the depth they have at center, but at the same time, imagine if he was performing the way he was two years ago. It's At this point, it's looking like Dubois for Velarde alone would have been a good trade. And you get, you get a couple other really good players in that, some picks, like the Jets came out with that one. As of right now, they came out with that one as a robbery. Well, then the thing is, I mentioned Kopitar being good there. What if he took a step back this year? Yeah, then it would be... What if Deneau took a step back and they were like, we need you, Pierre-Luc, to be like a two for us. That that wouldn't work. They wouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs. Yeah. It, it essentially looked like they were priming Dubois to be that next number one center, but... Right now, you can't put him in that role. And you're right. If they didn't have Kopitar playing at this level at, at this age, which is is kind of ridiculous. He's playing 20 minutes a night. He's yeah. 36. And he's still elite. Like, everything he does is elite. It's He's taking a pay cut next year. Yeah. What? By the way, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I don't put everything into this stat. Actually, I don't put a lot into this stat, but it's interesting as you look uh, throughout the team. Minus 17. That's the team leader in the wrong category by a long shot. And this is a team that was dominating in the start of the season. Like they had, mm-hmm. they were like a bunch of guys were plus 15 after the first I don't know, month and a half of the season. Yeah, that's going to have to turn around. And all of a sudden, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you're starting to go, hmm. Haven't really been able to make it work in Columbus. He didn't make it work in LA. Haven't made it work in Winnipeg. Somebody's going to look at the common denominator as to what the problem is on a consistent basis. And right now, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I don't think anyone will ever forget that shift he had with Columbus. It was essentially his last shift with the team where he just skated. Like, he was just cruising around for a solid minute and a half and then came off the bench. It was his last shift of the game. No one will forget that. Yeah, it's a tough rep for a guy that's, you know, 25 and look, the potential is obviously there, but I mean, you look at it, his career best is 63 points last year. Like, we're not talking about a guy that's going to lead the league in goal scoring anytime soon. And this was someone that was given every single shot in Winnipeg, like power play one, oh, yeah. top line, second line. He had Same every in opportunity. Columbus. He yeah. wanted, they wanted it to work in Columbus as bad as anybody. 
but Kings going to try to make it work there. They need it to work. Good news is Anze Kopitar and others still able to carry the load. Lots of former Flames in this lineup. You'll see Trevor Lewis, the ageless veteran as well, on the bottom six is there. Uh, like we said, the goaltending tandem. Both former Flames, Cam Talbot and David Riddick. We're expecting to see Cam Talbot get the start in goal after David Riddick took the loss in Edmonton. Taking a break, come back on the other side. More on the Flames and the Kings. Also taking a look at some of the biggest storylines around the NHL. The kickoff hour two. Our pal Primetime Peter Klein is going to kick us off next hour. It starts in a moment here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.